Hello and welcome to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're a startup church we just planted in September 2020. And at the Kalamazoo Church, we believe that Christianity is done best when it is done together. And so if you live in the Kalamazoo area, we would love to connect. Be it coming to a Sunday service, one of our small groups, or even just grabbing coffee with a member to learn more. You can visit kalamazoo.church in order to do that. We pray that you are inspired by what you hear today. Uh, open your Bible to John 13. Uh, you know, we love and pray for the church here in Kalamazoo. And, and one of the primary reasons we came is just to connect with you. And we, we love Bianca, but we know Jaron's a handful. And so we felt like if you ever need anyone to talk to about Jaron, you feel like it needs to come from someone outside, feel free to call me. I'm joking, but I'm also not joking, right? Like, one of the beautiful things about our churches is that we have oversight uh, from people outside of our churches. And so we lead a church in Ann Arbor, and there's accountability there. Like, I'm a man under authority. That actually gives the church a feeling of security. Because if I go crazy, Mark Kang, who leads the church in Detroit, will make sure that I don't go crazy and hurt other people. Right? And so that's, that's, our family of churches is beautiful in that way. And so that's, we get to serve with Jaron and Bianca and help each other and learn from each other. And it's been great. It's been a great group. Your worship group works super hard. Uh, leading worship is a very uniquely difficult thing. And so we just really, on their behalf, just appreciate your love and support. They're doing great. We met together for like over two hours yesterday, and they did a great job. And I thought it showed this morning. They did a great job. Um, I feel like Jaron and Bianca, I just want to share one of my favorite qualities about about you, Jaron, and, and your wife, who I think just took the kids, was that there is, a, there is an easygoing way you feel when you're around them. Like, there's something, there's almost a mystical quality about some people that when you're with them, they just make you feel at ease. Other people make you feel tense, you know? That's not who you probably want leading your church, right? And I think that both Jaron and Bianca have just to just relax. Like, they're just not stressful people. You know what I'm like, high-anxiety people? And in a chronically anxious world, we need more of those people, and we have less of them, right? And, and I think some of that comes because of your disposition of humility, Jared. Whenever I talk to Jared, even if he has an opinion that's spot on, he always ends with, bah, bah, maybe, I'm, probably, I'm probably wrong, I'm probably wrong. He says it like that. He always says that to me. Like, oh, but I don't, I, I, whatever, you know, whatever. And that's what he says, you know. And, uh, yeah, I, just, I appreciate that in you, because if we had humility and leadership, maybe the most important quality. Um, because it's, the pride is probably the most dangerous, right? right? So I'm grateful for that for them, and, and love and love you guys. We've had a great weekend. Um, you know, Jaron requested that I speak on the mission today, and of course, the mission is is a it's a nuanced topic. It's a big topic. You know, in Mark one, uh, one of my favorite verses, uh, the disciples are looking for Jesus, and they say, "Where have you been?" Jesus has this thing where he just leaves. Right. Everyone's like. Where'd you, like, you can't just leave, dude. And he's like, I can and I will. <laughs> like, you have to find me, and I'll pray until you find me. And he was a good hider, so it was probably hours, you know. So they find him, and they're like, where are you? Like, everyone's looking for you. And he says, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages that I may preach. He says, that is why I have come. Yep. Love that line. If you're ever wondering, like, oh, why is Jesus here? Mark 138, that is why I have come, to preach. But then consider, consider his life. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew uh, chapters 5 through 7, in the following 
three or four chapters from about 8 to 12, there are about 18 stories, more than that, but the first 18 stories after the Sermon on the Mount are just stories about how he ministers to people. In, in like 70% of them, you know what the story's all about? is him healing people. It's everywhere. And even when it's not directly him doing it, he's talking about it. He's teaching the disciples to do it. The healing ministry of Jesus is a primary mission of Jesus. And we're not going to talk about that slide, but I really believe that the mission of every Christian and the mission that Jesus gave us is two-pronged. It's to reach the lost and to help the poor. I think that we have to, we have to be that way. And I, and I think that they're both uniquely difficult in unique ways. Some of us are more comfortable with one than the other but we need both preached a lot because none of them are natural for most humans, right? Today, you know, and when Paul was being sent off on his missionary journey in Galatians 2, he's talking about it. He's saying, oh, when I left to go, and and I think it's his second missionary journey, I'm not sure which one, Peter and the apostles said, go plant these churches. And he said, but they told me not to forget the poor, the very thing I was eager to do, right? Mm -hmm. And so... On his missionary journeys, don't forget how Jesus was a missionary, right? In both these ways. We're not talking about the latter today, but we are going to talk about the former. John 13, I believe that evangelism is all about loving well. You've probably heard this verse. He goes through, and Jesus, in the first 17 verses, he washes the disciples' feet. I've been preaching about this a lot, so I feel a little bad for uh, my wife and my best friends over here. They've heard this so many times. Um, but I just feel like it's such an important message because Jesus washes the disciples' feet. It's a very familiar story. If you've never read it before, Jesus gets with his disciples. He's about to be murdered, right? He's about to be tortured and murdered, and he spends his time showing them the full extent of his love. That's what this passage says. The, the best way he could love them, he washes their feet, and there's all kinds of, we don't have time to go into it, but feet were gross and dirty and often actually probably wounded. They were probably actually often scratched up, maybe even a little bloody. Now think about that, right? He washes their feet. So he washes 24 dirty feet. And I don't know, I don't know how long that would take, but a long time. Right. And, and then at the end, in verse 34, he says, John 13, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How will people know that you are a follower of Jesus? By the way you love one another. By the way you love other people. The defining quality of it is to distinguish this church from the rest of the world. And it's not a competition against other churches. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't care about that. I'm saying what defines the kingdom of God from everywhere outside of it is the way we love one another. But love is not a particularly natural thing. It's actually very unnatural, and it's also not a feeling. Feelings are just feelings. I feel a lot of things. Love is a choice that you make. And the the story I've told um, in the past is how Disney perceives love and how our culture perceives love. Uh Think about the Little Mermaid, you know? Ariel or Ariel, which one is it? I never know. Ariel, wow, you guys all know. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. No, we watch this every Saturday as a church. It's like, oh, sorry. Uh, Ariel, she uh, she falls in love with Prince Eric. You know why? Because she like saw him once, and then she like, and then she has a statue of him in her like little girl cave, 
Like, which is like kind of kind of horrifying, actually. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is really uncomfortable. Like, like if you had a, if I had a statue of my now wife before, like I knew her, you'd be like, maybe maybe not. Like maybe you shouldn't do that. Like I don't. Like you could maybe be arrested. You know, I don't know. I mean, it was the, I don't know what the justice system was like there. But so she has it, and and, and Eric's statue head gets gets you know. You remember that, that whole scene and the, the, the ship blows up and the head, the head comes off and falls to the bottom and she like has it and it's like even weirder. Like it's got even weirder. So Ariel falls in love and she has three days to convince Prince Eric to fall in love with him. And it works out. And she can't even talk to him. There is no verbal dialogue and it worked great. It works out. And you knew it was going to from the beginning. Disney love, right? This is the way our world thinks about love. Love is a feeling that you have and there's a lot of confusion between love and infatuation, which is a whole different sermon. But love is a choice that you make, not a, a feeling that you have. And learning to love well takes practice. Yeah. And I just want to give you some practicals today on the second half of my sermon. What does it look like to love well? I just want to mention three things, and, and, you know, and then I have Kristen come up and share a little bit about some of the things that have helped her love other people and some of the ways she's intentional about loving people, especially those that are not Christians, right? Um, one is intentional warmth. Romans 12, verse 9 says, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. The very first thing in that sort of monologue that talks kind of a, a bullet, when you read Romans 12, verses 9 through 17, it's like bullet points of really what it means to love people, to love your enemies, to be hospitable, to be sincere, to hate what is evil and cling to what is good, that kind of thing. I believe intentional warmth is one of the primary ways that we love people well. Yeah. And, and this is all in the context of evangelism. Of course, Jesus has a dual meaning, right? When he says, love one another, all men will know you're my disciples. One way people come into church and they know we're disciples is the way we love each other, but also the way we love people we don't know. And so no one is almost no one's argued into belief or persuaded into belief. I say this all the time. I believe people are loved into belief. And I, I just think that's the way it happened. I think that's the way that Jesus did it. I think he loved people into belief. I think it's how we need to. I believe uh, a couple of ways we can be intentionally warm, and, and which shows love, right? Hospitality. Hospitality is maybe the most ancient form of love. And, and kind of the archetype of hospitality is Abraham. And there's a whole, right, there's yeah. a great story about Abraham's hospitality. It's right before Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> you know, so it gets lost in the horror of Sodom and Gomorrah. But before that, there's this great story of hospitality. And we're, 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 meant, to, we're meant to emulate and imitate that. And, and hospitality is in the Bible quite a bit. And what's interesting is that I really believe that one of the primary ways the church grows and adding people to Jesus' kingdom here is by having people in your home and eating with them. Yeah. I think there's something almost mysterious that happens yeah, in that sure. space. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's nothing like it. Because when you bring people over, you prepare your home, you know what I mean? Hopefully, you know what I mean? Or you just apologize for it a lot. You know, it's like one or the other. Oh, so sorry. Like, I did it. It was crazy, you know? You bring them in. You probably don't, like get McDonald's, you know, unless they, like, really like McDonald's. Really? And it's like, let's do it. Like, I'm in. But, you know, you prepare it. You think about it. You serve people, right? It's, it's the Matthew 20 way of leadership, right? Jesus says, don't be like others. Serve them. The, you know, the greatest in the kingdom is the least, right? It's hospitality. It's service, right? It's this ancient form of love. I actually think it's, it's 
pretty long. It's amazing within the church. And I don't know the Calvin Church, can't talk, Kalamazoo Church well enough to know if this is happening. But in Ann Arbor, one of the things we recognized early on is that the hospitality amongst the disciples was amazing. But the hospitality with our neighbors was really terrible. We didn't even know our neighbors. And I think that Kristen and I have had to work really hard on that ourselves. And one thing we do once a month on Wednesday nights instead of midweek is we have a hospitality week. Our expectation is that everyone during that week, once a month, will have people into their home. Within or without the church. And is everyone doing it? I don't know. I don't keep a stat sheet on it. Like, all right, how'd you do? Like, check, you know, Blake. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I did it for the month of March. It's, I'm not even really asking people about it. What it is, is it's, I want it on the calendar and I want to remind people about it because I want it to be a principle of evangelism in our church and a constant reminder. Oh, yeah. Like, I need to have people in my home. Like, that's it. I think we have to be really good about that. I think that's how a lot of friendships start. You know, uh, loving well means you have to understand love. Being intentionally warm means you have to understand how people feel loved. Have you guys heard of the five love languages before? Yes. Right, it's very Gary Chapman. It's this really big cultural thing. There are different opinions on the five love languages. I have opinions on them. Physical touch, acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, and gifts. And we're all, there's like a test you can take. Like, where'd you rank? Like, what are you? You know, like, are you words of affirmation? Are you physical touch? And just to know, like, anyone who's like, oh, I'm not gifts, like, you're a liar. Like, everyone is a gifts person, 100%. Like, it's you, the test doesn't tell the truth there. But, you know, whatever, we're all different things. We feel love differently. The only point about that is I think that, I think there's a lot of insight into reading about how to love people. Because I don't think, I think what's natural is to love ourselves. Loving others is important. The, The only issue I have with the five love languages is I think people sort of weaponize it. And so it's like, if Joe is trying to love me and he has me over to his home and I'm like, well, I don't feel love with hospitality. You're like, learn to feel love then. You know what I mean? Like, because the five love languages isn't just about evaluating how you feel loved. It's also how to experience love, yeah. right? Like if, if, if I'm showed love by someone, I need to know that's happening. Yeah. It's learning to love, learning to give it. We read a book recently, my wife and I, that was in the top three books we've ever read on parenting called How to Really Love Your Children by Dr. Ross Campbell. And the whole point is that a lot of the experiences, the difficult experiences we, we have with parenting and disciplinary issues is not because we don't discipline hard enough or because we're not authoritative enough or rather authoritarian. Authoritative is the good one. Authoritarian is the bad one. Is that actually our kids may not feel loved even if they are. Just because you love someone doesn't mean that person feels loved by you. And the book is all about teaching you kind of the four pillars. And I, don't, I didn't write this down, so you may have to help me. It's, it's focused attention, eye contact, appropriate discipline, and appropriate physical touch. Those are the four. And at different stages, these change. And the whole point is it's teaching us how to love our children. And, and if our children start to act out, and we have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, it happens. Shock, I know, shocking. You know what I mean? Like, what? Like, it happens. Like, one of the first things we're teaching ourselves to learn is how can I love them better? And I wonder in the church if that became our default question for people. How do I love this person better? If someone's struggling with the church or wanting to come to church or wanting to know about Jesus, maybe the question is not how do I convince them to come to church? All you do when you convince someone to come to church that doesn't want to, it's my wife was sharing her faith at the playground, which, by the way, if you have kids that are, like, at playground age, right. just 
that's it. Like, everybody wants friends when they have a two-year-old because they just, like, need to commiserate. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, my kid is a psycho. Like, mine too. Like, come over for dinner. You know what I mean? Like, let's talk about how crazy our kids are, right? That's just, people want friendships. They do so badly, but people don't often know how to even have them. Just the way it is. Kristen was very intentional. She was sharing her faith, and she met, she met them, and he came, and he's got a little girl, a three-year-old, and, and we just invited him in, into our lives, and we, we took him out to lunch, and we were hospitable, and he really opened up about his life, you know, about how hard it was and the things he's been through, because dude, everyone's life is hard. Yes. Like, there's no one that you see, they're like, everything's great all the time. Like, people are so messed up. Imagine, look at how we are with Jesus. Like a total mess. Like without him, without faith, it's bad, right? No matter, no matter what veneer people put out, whatever facade, it maybe it's not even a facade. It's just people trying to be happy. No one can figure it out. Like we struggle to figure it out with God. We can't assume people just got it. And it came out, he was just really open with us because he trusted us. It's like, man, life's hard and... You know, I don't know what to do. And we were like, well, man, we'd love to study the Bible with you. Like, we loved it. Because he had observed in our lives already that there was something in our marriage and our parenting that felt different. And I was like, dude, it's, if without God, I would not still be married probably. Like, I would have I screwed it up so bad, I would have advised then my wife to leave me. Like, that's just who I would have been without God. But because of him, my life is great. We have a great marriage. We love our kids. Like, we're trying to parent them well. And I think he was attracted by that. And recently, we studied the Bible with him for about three months. And he has essentially no faith before, right? Like, no religious foundation, no background, sort of maybe believed in God. And you know how he came to faith? There's a great verse in John 7, 17. I love this verse. And he was, and you can just write it down if you're writing notes. John 7, 17. Jesus talks to the Jews. And he said, if anyone chooses to do God's will, then he will find out whether my teaching from, comes from God or if I teach on my own. I love this. So when people are doubting, the first step I take is, look, we can talk about all the science of faith, but I think the most powerful testimony is try to live this out. See if it works. Because if it doesn't work and it's not real, don't waste your time studying it. But but it's going to work. You're going to be blown away. And that brings people faith more. And he's brought to faith. And something he said to us recently is he's just like, I just felt very inspired by the lives of the church. It's something different. And that was so encouraging to me that people can still be inspired by the lives of the church. You know what I mean? And I think that when you're evangelism, there's an intentionality that brings people and an intentional love. You know, uh, we don't we don't have um, a lot of time for this. I'm going to have Kristen come up and share in a second. The last thing we need to do if we're going to love people well is, I want Kristen to talk about intentionality in our evangelism. But as we love people that we're intentional with, we have to be willing to get into the, the hard stuff with them and go through pain with I don't have time to really build the story out. They've heard it so many times. The other day, my daughter, uh, she threw up in the car. Throw up is horrible. When it happens in a hot car, like, it's, like, I can't even explain the horror, right? Like, it's so terrible. And I don't want to trigger anyone with this, right? Some people are like, I I hate talking about this stuff. So I won't, like, go into detail. But there was a moment where I had to take my, my daughter out of the car. And there's like, I was like, there's no way for me to do this without putting my hands in it. 
And you know, like I have, I had to like count the cost. Like I'm like, how much do I love my daughter? You know what I mean? Like, like, what do I just leave her in there? Like, do I make Kristen do it? She would have done it, and she wouldn't have hesitated. And I was like, ah, let's just do it. You know what I mean? And so I reach in there and I grab her, and now we're just in it together. You know what I mean? And like, and I, you know, there's there's more to the story that can be triggering, so I won't talk about it. But like, I think parents learn this, especially like if I'm gonna really love my children. I can't be afraid to get some of their gross on me. I have to go in it with them. I think people are not different. Like, people need to know that you're in it with them, which means they have to trust you. And trust starts with you being intentionally warm, sincere, and loving. Intentionality. I understand, of course, Kalamazoo is recently at church planning. Uh, But you know what? A lot of you in here, I don't think, came on the church planting, which means that church plantings, after a couple of years, go through sort of phases. And we were talking with the things. You guys are kind of moving into phase two, I think. Which is that initial excitement, like, let's do it! It's sort of like, let's do it! You know, like, you know, you kind of settle in a little bit. And, it gets, and some of you are like, I never said let's do it. Like I, like, I moved here, and then you guys were all like, we're doing it. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I didn't, I didn't move for a mission planting. Like, uh, you're freaking me out. You know what I mean? But I think that, in, that intentionality that happens on a, 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 pl- a church planting can't be lost but in my opinion just like with working out what's the when you're trying to stay in shape the first thing to go is your diet and in my mind christianity the the analogy to diet is sharing your faith like the first thing to go when you're not doing well or you're starting to feel apathetic or tired sharing your faith it's like eating healthy or working out because it's the hardest thing to keep doing because yeah. it's so unnatural for ninety percent of us. Yeah. So I, I just wanted um, my wife, in my opinion, might be amongst the most, if not the most, evangel- effectively evangelistic person I've ever met. And I, I just wanted her to share a little bit from some of recent experiences on on her intentionality. I've asked her to do this, and inevitably she'll share about somebody else too. Um, but yeah, honey, why don't you come on up and um, share your heart? Great. All right. I was. I just want to read my favorite scripture that I cling to about always being mission minded. It's in Second Timothy two, starting in verse eight. It says, "Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything." For the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And I just feel so convicted by Paul's heart, right? This willingness of I'll endure anything for the sake of the elect. And I got reached out to the very day I moved to college. I wasn't even moved into my apartment yet. Kyle and a couple other Brothers from the church met me, met my dad actually, and helped me move in. And and from there, I I was just blown away by the church, and I wanted to study the Bible and get my my life right with God. And so I I feel like God has always proven to me that you can talk to a random stranger, and you never know what's going on in their life, but that you can be effective. And so I could never deny that, like, all throughout college. And so I felt really passionate. Like, there's other me's out there. There's other people that just seem like, oh, this is not the time, like, literally moving in, like, carrying things, and yet 
my whole life changed, right? Like Jesus rescued me and to see where our life is at now. And so I've, I've felt very convicted my whole, my whole Christianity about giving other people the same opportunity, the way I feel like Paul, awesome. Paul tried to feel. And so college was, was kind of obvious to me. Like people, you can just make friends on campus. You just walk up, you hang out, you can get involved in extracurricular. But after I graduated, you kind of move into this new stage where you're like, this is not as uh, available. Um, and yet I have the same mission, and I know people need God just as much now as is when they're in college. And so um, I think that a big thing for me has always been if people initiate with me when I'm at a gym or in the grocery store, I just am like, maybe God is doing some movement here. And so I remember one time even being at the gym, and there was a girl there who, like, I don't know why, but she, she started to initiate with me. And I realized later... Um, she became a good friend of mine. Her name was Mi Jung, but she had just moved here from Korea, from Seoul, and she didn't know a lot of English, so she was like, maybe, teach me. maybe she'll teach me, like, if we, like, want, because she, she was a physical therapist in Seoul, Korea, South Korea, and so she was like, maybe I can, like, she saw I was struggling, she said, maybe I can help her, <laughs> and she'll help me, <laughs> and so because she initiated, we started talking, and she, even from the very first time, was like, I really want to learn better English, like, would you be willing to practice with me, and I was like, wow, okay, someone is inviting me into their life, I have to, I have to make the most of this, so we became good friends, and Love takes time, right? Like building trust. Um, but a couple years later, we eventually studied the Bible, and she um, made Jesus Lord, got baptized. And, um, and I feel like that's always stuck with me. Like, who is God maybe bringing into my life? Um, and then also, though, I have to be intentional about reaching out. And so I think for us, like, whether we were moving into our neighborhood, and it was January of the pandemic last year, not ideal circumstances. Yeah, like no one's coming to say welcome to the neighborhood. So I was like, okay, well, we're going to have to like go meet everyone then. And so I was like, probably shouldn't bake them anything. Um, so we bought, we bought little candles that smelt like a cookie. And we door knocked to introduce ourselves to the new neighbors, just like some way trying to make a connection. Anytime I see a mom, walking in our neighborhood. I'm like, oh, it's time to go play, guys. We're going outside, we're going outside. You know, like, oh, hey! You know, like, just never knowing, never knowing who, who could be a future friend. And um, I think that last summer, the last thing I'll share, um, it was still kind of the height of the, the pandemic, though the vaccine had rolled out and people were kind of doing things more. And I just knew the reality was, like, my kids hadn't met a ton of kids outside of the church because of moving here, and God just put it on my heart, like, okay, we'll do something to meet families, and so we decided to do once a month Saturday kid programs that weren't religious-based, but we just would paint in the park, or do a story time and have a naturalist come out and bring her animals, and it gave me this very clear intentional, like, okay, now I got to go to the park to meet people and share about it, and I was, my faith was so blown away because, again, kind of like college, I start to think, no one's going to come to this the day before, you know, and yet, sure enough, people would show up where I'm like, we barely talked, you know, and then, and then they came, and I think just to see, like, God can always do immeasurably more, and he keeps yeah. reminding me of that, and Alan, our friend who, you know, got baptized recently, 
I met his like daughter's um, mom at the time. Like he wasn't even there, and he was. They were the only people that even showed up last year to this one we did, feeling kind of discouraged. And now he's our brother, and I'm like, oh God, you're like I just never, I never really awesome. know what you're doing, but I just know you. You expect me to love and to look, and you will you will do the rest. And so, for those that came on the mission, you know, team, if you feel like you just need that reminder, like don't stop going out there. Um, and for those of you who did not sign up for this, um, man, I'm so grateful that people were willing to talk to me when I was in the middle of something and how my life is transformed. And so you can your faith can be increased and you can feel like you're really on this adventure with God. I feel like that's the biggest thing I love about sharing our faith. I'm like, this is like one of the one good things I'll never do in heaven. Like everything else I'll keep doing in heaven, but this is like one thing that's amazing and pure and I'm never going to do this in heaven. So I have limited time to do this memory making with God. We're going to... We're going to move into communion, and I just, you know, as you, as we kind of finish the service today, evangelism is, is not even primarily about sharing your faith, it's about, but it is about intentional love. So if you walk away from anything today, it's, I need to intentionally love people, which means you need to learn how to love and be intentional, both those things. It's been awesome to be here. We're going to stand prayer right now for communion. And I'm, I'm going to play a, a couple of verses from a psalm that we can sing together if you'd like. And then, uh, then Jared's going to close us out. Sound good? Amen. Right, let's pray. And I think if you need a little communion cup, I imagine if you raise your hand, one will magically appear under your seat. Yes. Uh, that's usually how it goes. We'll see. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much uh, for all you've given us. Help us to be intentional in our love. And honestly, just to love like Jesus did. Not, not to grow the church, although we want to grow the church but because it's what you want us to be like, and it's how you are. We love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. If you're in the Kalamazoo area, we'd love to get connected. Please go to kalamazoo.church and fill in your information to come to a Sunday service or any other event that we have going on. In any case, you'll be hearing from us next week. Come on! Too busy saving souls.